Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our friends over at Scentlock. Um, I just got done with my first hot weather hunt. And I don't want to dive into the details of that yet, but I just got done with my first hot weather hunt, and uh, that's what I absolutely love about Scentlock. They got their hot weather gear, and it'll carry me all the way through through the winter. So go check out our friends over at Scentlock, Scent Blocker, Oz by Scentlock, all of their brands. I am joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. I'm going to call you Nicholas. That sounds more prestige. Uh, let's go with Nick. Oh, come on, man. I'm, I'm more of a, of a Nick but than, Sir than Nicholas a Nicholas. Sounds a lot better. Yeah, it, it does sound better, but uh, I'm just I'm just a, a regular dude, so 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 we're sticking with the the true nickname of Nick. We've got Nick Alano from American Hunt. Nick, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I'm absolutely. Anytime I'm at Hill Creek, I'm doing well. That's this true. is a we are coming to you from one of American Hunt's properties. Uh, some of my greatest friends in the world. I got to say that because they're my cousins also, but uh. I don't really mean it. I just got to say it, you know? Um, no, I was kidding. <laughs> no, we're here at American. We're, we're here at one of American Hunt's properties, um, Hill Creek in the godforsaken state of misery. Uh, I can't call it Missouri. It's misery. You go old school and call it Missouri. Missouri? That's right. No. Talk, talk about it like the old Civil War generals. I hate when people, when people, I'm like, but that's not how it's spelled though. Like there's a town in, in Kansas and people say it completely different. I'm like, but that's not how it's spelled. Yeah, I'm, I I can't lecture anybody on uh You're from Arkansas, spelling. you can't talk. That's right. That's right. No, I was born and raised in Arkansas and uh then when you go to Kansas, people call it Arkansas. And I'm like, "No, you live in Kansas." <laughs> and I'm like, "Shut up." <laughs> and so that I just say I'm from Wellington, Kansas cuz I was born and raised in Arkansas. Um where are we going with this? Anyways, uh Hill Creek, dude, an outdoorsman's paradise. You've got fishing, you've got hiking, you've got hunting, you've got a gorgeous lodge, beautiful country. We were sitting out there last night hunting, and uh, man, I just look over and you see a sunset dropping behind a hill, and oh my gosh, it's just beautiful country. Man, before we jump in, give us a quick introduction to yourself. Yeah, my name is Nick. Uh, I am one of the co-founders of a company called American Hunt. And our whole goal is to bring access to private land for the outdoors. So we, we are providing day leases for private land access. And our whole goal is to make things accessible for the everyday person. So right now the industry, if you want to go hunting or engage in a lot of outdoor activities, you have to either own land or you do a season long lease. 
and most people cannot afford either the financial or the time commitment. And uh, by making leases available by the day, it creates a win-win situation. More people could get outdoors, more people can, uh, can continue on the hunting tradition and culture, which is something that we're really happy and proud to, to really bring to the people. Now, before you, before, because I'm a podcast listener, I'm a podcast consumer, and before you tune out thinking this is just a sales pitch um, for American Hunt, I want you to hang in there because my goal is to talk about how this fills a huge void in the hunting industry and how, um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, even for myself, I think I have six leases in Kansas, you know, where I do have the year-long rights, but because of that, I can't afford to have leases in Oklahoma or Missouri or Illinois, all those other places. I can't afford to have year-long leases. So with a company like American Hunt, it gives me the opportunity to lease ground by the day and still be able to hunt those states. So even if you are a guy who 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 gets, you know, who has the pleasure of owning ground in your in your home state or leasing ground in your home state, American Hunt is an awesome thing because it still gives you the opportunity to hunt other states on the cheap. Exactly. And not everything's cheap. We're, we're a full spectrum company. So we're going to have some super premium hunts all the way down to, to really base level hunts for people that just want to do it themselves. But one thing that I've noticed personally is there's a lot of guys that grow up hunting in a specific area like Arkansas or something like that. And they know where to go for whitetail or for turkey in their area. But then they end up dreaming about hunts in other places like Illinois or, uh, or Oregon and they don't know where to start yeah and 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 we're we're trying to aggregate all of these hunts and all these hunting areas in one place yeah. so you could just go to one place and you could you could it's find the airbnb your next of hunting exactly it's the exactly. airbnb of hunting exactly. um and and that's how i i think about it but and that's also how i how i justify it because you know if you think about it when you travel to a different state you don't know where to stay you don't know where to go you don't know so you get on airbnb and you find a property and that's the exact same way with American Hunt. If I want to hunt in Illinois or Oregon or you know any of those states, Idaho, whatever, and I don't know where to go, I don't know how to start, I don't know, you know, I don't have somebody to guide me in the right direction on public ground, um, then I can log on American Hunt and find private ground and have a good start, have a good head start uh, that way. Um, well, another thing we're doing is we're also letting guides list their services. So right now, a lot of times guides, they, they're really reliant on a word of mouth network and, and a local network. So once again, if you go on vacation or something like that, sometimes it's hard to find a reputable guide. Yeah. And our whole goal is to have as many guides on as possible with a rating system and things like that. So you can actually find guides wherever you're going. Maybe, maybe your, your girlfriend or wife or you're going to visit your family on a family reunion or something like that and you just want to slip away real quick you don't have to do a ton of research to to find an awesome fishing guide or an awesome hunting yeah. guide depending on where you absolutely. are absolutely no and that's we've all been there where <laughs> I, I don't want to name any names because i don't want to make anybody mad but we've all been there where you get to an outfit and it sucks like you're just like this is trash uh me and gabe we went to a i'm not even gonna name say the state because then if they are listening they'll know because it happened um you know we're at an outfit and we had an outfit that we'd hunted with for five years just an hour and a half away but we decided to try a new outfit we get there and it just sucked uh and and we had 
the marketing guy from Bear Archery with us, really trying to get him on a whitetail. And uh, that, it wasn't going to happen at that outfit. We were just like, this is horrible. And uh, so we ended up having to call our other outfit and saying, hey, man, we're only an hour and a half from you. Can we come hunt? And they're like, absolutely, man. So we know we'd make the trek over, but that's the, it sucks, man, for somebody who doesn't have the resources. And, and a lot of times you save up all year long for that one elk hunt or that one bighorn sheep hunt or that one whatever, even a turkey hunt. I mean, you, you put all your eggs into one basket, you get there, your outfit is, is bad, and then you're just crap out of luck. Right. Um, so... I, I mean, that's why I say I believe that American Hunt is filling a big void, and it's not just a, a plug for American Hunt, but I do honestly believe that something like American Hunt was needed in the outdoor industry. Nick saw that, and we're going to dive into how you saw that and why you saw that here in a minute, but um, you saw that, and you jumped on it. Um, before we jump into that, let me give a quick thank you to my friends over at Minus 33 Merino Wool. Um, I am a huge fan of Merino Wool. It's all I wear. That's all I use. My underwear and my socks every day are merino wool. Um, why? Because they don't stink. So then my wife does laundry. She's not like, good Lord, your feet smell bad. Um, but when it comes to hunting, merino wool is the best way to go. And Minus 33 does it and does it well. So go check out my friends over at Minus 33. Um, how did you notice the void for American Hunt? So for me, I actually grew up duck hunting in Northern California. And I know earlier everyone said I was from Arkansas. Uh, that's where I live now. But I did grow up in, in Northern California and I took duck hunting for granted. I didn't realize how hard it is to get a lease, let alone how expensive it is, especially for a good duck lease. So later on, I was in the oil field in South Louisiana and I was really excited. I thought I was going to be able to go duck hunting and uh, I, was, I was rudely awakened. When, when I found out if I could find a good spot, it was probably gonna cost me about 4,000 bucks. I ended up not being able to go that year. And uh, the reason why is it just required too much time and too much money when I only wanted to go one or two days. Yeah. Um, I, well, actually I wanted to go more than that, but I worked so I could only go one or two days anyway. And that's what really got the idea kind of going. Uh, later when I moved to Arkansas, I was lucky enough to have a couple of friends teach me how to how to bow hunt and how to shoot a bow, which is awesome. Um, that's that's part of why we're on this podcast. Cause, Once I learned how to shoot a bow, I never duck hunted again. Uh, well, <laughs> well, it's it's a different kind of hunt. D duck hunting is really social and it's really really fun. Yeah. For me, bow hunting is it's uh, solitude. It's, yeah, it's 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 kind of a meditation. Yeah, hundred percent. You're, you're, you're quiet. You're, you're alone with your thoughts for a very long time. Yep. It's a completely different experience and both experiences are, are awesome. You've never been in a tree stand with Gabe, have you? Cause you're not alone with your thoughts. <laughs> I've, I've never been in a tree stand with anyone just, just, just by myself. Uh, Gabe is actually, I, I got in trouble a couple episodes ago cause I talked about Grant, um, <laughs> in a negative light. Oh no. And he heard it and he was like, how are you going to talk bad about me when I'm not there to justify myself? And, uh, but Grant, dude, me and Grant have a riot in a tree stand. <laughs> I mean, Grant's a funny we, dude. we have a blast in a tree stand together, man. Uh, I don't think me or Grant, I don't think we've ever killed anything when we're together. And there's a reason for that. Like, <laughs> we just have a lot of fun. Well, uh, I wonder what the weight rating was for that tree stand. Cause Grant is a big boy. He is. And, uh, we actually one year. And I don't mean fat. I mean, I just mean he's big. Yeah. No, he, he's I mean, like six, he's a refrigerator. Something. Yeah. He's a refrigerator. Um, but uh, one year, 
the way it worked out, we wanted to go hunt this property together. And he's like, well, I have a tree stand set up there. And it was just a double wide, like double man tree stand. So me and Grant are sitting in this tree stand together, one stand, and like we're crammed together. And dude, we had a blast, but uh, I don't think we ever shot anything because we, we had so much fun uh, when we're hunting together. But um, no, I really, I try to go on one big duck hunt a year because like you said, it is that atmosphere. It is that, you know, we'll get a group of 10 to 15 guys to go duck hunting and you know lay out in the field all day and eat breakfast pizza in the blind and and just have a fun time it's it's awesome yeah Same and with pheasant hunting. and you, you could laugh and be loud and things yeah. like that and you're not really scaring the ducks away yeah where you know you better be playing the wind and be as quiet as possible yeah with, no with that's why I, I love I, I really try to do one big duck hunt a year and and one pheasant hunt a year because that is the atmosphere and it's completely different um <clears throat> you're li i mean all year long, like like we talked about, I mean, ninety percent of my hunting is done alone. Ten percent, maybe I have a cameraman, but um, it's a complete different hunt. I mean, you roll up and you get to have fun with your guys. You get to, you know, stop for lunch. I mean, it's just different, you know. Well, well, one thing that that made me fall in love with uh, with bow hunting for whitetail specifically is you have to unplug. You, for for me, I just turn my phone off because I, I can't afford it to ring at, at the wrong time. And then you, you really do get to just take time and think and take in nature and just, just listen to the woods. And that's so rare now in my life that I really, really appreciate those opportunities. I mean, a lot of, a lot of times what, when, when, when you think about hunting, you're thinking about just getting the kill, but there's so much more about hunting. And for I'm me, glad you didn't say harvest. It's like <laughs> a pet peeve. Like I'm not a farmer, dude. I just didn't kill them. You yeah. know, I don't. No. Yeah, I mean, it, it needs to be like like ethical. I'm only going to take a good shot if I can. But 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 my point is, for me, actually hunting, it's it's not just about that. It's it's about the experience. It's about getting out there, and and really becoming one with nature. Yeah. I mean, the first year I went, I went whitetail hunting. I didn't get anything, and I probably went at least twenty times. I I froze my toes off. I mean, seriously, but I really enjoyed it because it was, it was that experience of just, just being out there and unplugging. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, let me give you a piece of advice though, on your toes. Don't put so many socks on. You probably put four or five pairs of socks on, didn't you? No, no, I messed up and I put on cotton socks and cotton is see, not the way to go. See, we're going to run upstairs and I'm going to grab you a pair of minus 33 socks and then your life will change. No, but listen and I'm all about education and informing and teaching. And I know I've probably talked about this on the podcast where I actually think Jake Meyer from Mossy Oak was, was the one who um, talked about it on the podcast. But so many guys are like, man, my feet are gonna get cold. They put four or five pairs of socks on and throw their boots on. What you've done is you've cut the circulation off your feet. So now there's no longer blood flowing to your feet. And that's when they get numb and go cold. So if you don't put as many socks on, I even untie my boots when I get up in there. That way blood can flow through there. Or if I'm wearing muck boots, you know, I'll undo the strap or whatever. That way blood can flow to my feet and they don't get near as cold, near as fast. So more socks is not always better. Um, Makes sense. I know that wasn't your problem, but um, just a quick tip uh, for everybody out there listening. Because um, my dad, I remember my dad telling me, uh, you know, he's getting older and um, he's got diabetes. So he has blood flow problems anyhow. Um, and his feet always go cold super fast. And he tried everything. He's like battery powered socks and all that stuff. And I'm like, dad, just less socks, untie your boots. Like if you're in the mountains and, and you get to a glassing point, untie your boots, like let your feet, let circulation continue to flow to your feet. Um, and I told him that and, and uh, it's changed his life. 
because yeah. he, I mean, he always just didn't get the circulation to his feet. Um, it's nice when you can teach the guy who's taught you everything. Um, well, well, that's also really awesome that, that you brought that up because in my opinion, hunting culture is, is part of American tradition. Absolutely. It's, it's been like that since before the founding of this country. And one thing that's happening is there's, there's a lot of people that are moving towards, towards cities and things like that. And families are selling off their land for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they can't afford it, or sometimes they just are choosing the city life over, um, over, over living in more rural areas. But the result is fewer people are owning more and more land, which means these families, they're losing access. And when they lose this access, if you don't teach your kids how to hunt and fish, the, the likelihood of them picking that up later on in life is incredibly low. Absolutely. Um, I saw statistics one time, and I'm not going to even try to throw it out there because I'll be wrong, but um, like adult hunters... Uh, who become hunters in their adulthood is slim to none. Exactly. Um, very, very low percentage. Now, I did have the pleasure, you got to see the giant cat um, at Pope and Young Convention, that giant mountain lion, new world record, beautiful cat. Um, Shelly Fulton, uh, she became a hunter in her adult life. And uh, she's she is not the standard. You know, she, she is the exception. Um, because that it just doesn't happen. And that's why I try at a young age, like no matter what it is, like my kids, if I could kill a deer and I'm within an hour from my house, I drive all the way back home before I go up on the deer because I want my kids to track the deer with me. That's awesome. Last year I saw, I saw where the deer died, but I didn't go to it because I wanted my kids to experience, this is where I shot it. Now we're going to go find it. And uh, I, I want them to experience that. You know, even if it's a stinking cap gun for my son, my son shoots my 3D targets in my backyard daily with his cap gun and just go out there and boom and shoot the 3d target but i want him to learn at a young age why we do what we do so, so first of all you're you're a great dad that's that's awesome well to hear. mediocre dad but i want him to learn how to hunt <laughs> stay humble my friend stay humble well um but the other thing is access there, there are a lot of people that did lose that land and they did have that that tradition in their family but now that the land is gone they don't know where to go and they can't teach it to their kids. Yeah. And that's something that American Hunt is is trying to to do. We're trying to solve that. So yeah, you do live in a city now or you live in the suburbs. You're working 50 hours a week. Hopefully you can still go hunting now. You could go yeah. online, you could find a place to, to book for the weekend. And then you could go on your turkey hunt that, that you grew up doing or your yeah. deer hunt or whatever it may be. And uh, that's something we feel really good about. Another thing that we feel great about is there's also a lot of people that have land and it's kind of a liability for them. They have to pay taxes on it. They can't necessarily afford it. Um, you could take your land and you could you could lease it out very, very easily. It takes less than five minutes if, if you're going fast. I'd recommend taking your time, but... <laughs> but um, People, people could put their land on, on our platform and they could they could turn it into an asset and they could really actually start Crazy cash flow exactly passive now, income now which, listen I'm not I'm not here to change anybody's mind on public ground there will be guys who say we'll just hunt public ground I understand that I, I'm a public land fanatic uh, I love hunting public ground um, you know I mean I've chased Kansas public ground Idaho Colorado I mean I've been there and done that 
but there's times where I, I can't. I don't have time to get to Idaho and scout. I don't have time to spend a week in Idaho uh, scouting and then a week hunting. And if I can just find an outfitter or at least pi private ground where I know um, this is a good area to be hunting in, then it makes more hunts possible. And it makes uh, it makes a hunt that consumes two weeks into a weekend. And it, and I and again, my goal in my hunting year is to create as many opportunities as I can. So rather than spending two weeks in Oklahoma, I'd rather spend one week in Oklahoma so I can spend a week in Texas, right. um, which is how I lay my year out. Um, you know, I like I'm, I'll hunt Missouri a week and then Oklahoma a week and then Kansas a week and then Texas a week. And I would rather do that than put all my eggs in one basket. And with something like American Hunt, it allows me to do that. So, so you are right. I'm actually a huge fan of public ground as well. Um, one thing that makes America great is our national parks. That's something that I feel like a lot of people Absolutely. don't talk about very often. And it, and it is our public ground. Absolutely. However, if you look at a map of, of ownership in the United States, everything west of the Rockies, you have quite a bit of, of public ground. Once you go east of the Rockies, it starts getting pretty scarce. Yep. I mean, Texas, for instance, is, I want to say it's over 95% private. Or the, or the public ground is landlocked. You can't get to it. Right. Right. And, you can't and, get to it. and that's, that's a, it's an issue, especially if you want to get to it and use it. Yeah. Um, actually I know some guys and I'm not, I'm not trying to, to blow anyone's secrets, but they find some some public land spots that are uh, actually surrounded by water or something like that. Yeah, and then they get tags, and then they end up just you know get get get. Shout out to the hunting public. <laughs> yeah, they end up getting a buffalo or something like that. Shout out to the hunting public. That's what I like about those guys. Is they're like, well, this is waterlocked, um, so what you know whatever they sneak in there and kill giants and i'm like well good for you <laughs> yeah. um no yeah. uh, it, so, but, so that's a that's a little tip find, find the spots and figure out how to get there and you may have a very good uh but again it goes back to you know and and all of the guys well a lot of the guys from the hunting public have been on the show and and uh you know i i respect those guys immensely because they do it on public ground they do it the hardcore style but again they get to do it year round. Right. And that's just not realistic for some people. Well, and then and then also, if we take the conversation back to, to land ownership, there's places, for instance, Texas, management oh, is incredibly Lord. important. And uh, they're overrun with hogs. There, There's a lot of farmers in certain areas. That's their own fault. <laughs> yeah. Quit bringing stinking hogs in. Yeah, but- wonder why you're overwhelmed with hogs. But the point is, we we need to do something about these invasive species that are you know, just Gabe devastating thinks, the environment. Gabe thinks we need to build a wall, not for Mexico, for Texas. And that way all the hogs can just stay there. <laughs> you, you fly more helicopters, maybe? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just joking about the helicopters, although it does seem like a lot of fun. In the uh, state of Kansas, it's completely illegal to shoot a hog. Yeah. yeah. It's completely illegal because if you get us, and that's why Kansas doesn't have pigs, we, we contain them really well because what happens is if there's a saunder of 20 pigs, you shoot one of them out of it, now you've split them up into two groups of pigs and they become harder to hunt. Then another hunter shoots that group of 10, they break into a group of five, now you've got hogs spreading out. So if you see hogs on your property, you see hogs when you're hunting, you call fish and game, they come in with choppers, take care of them right then and there, they don't spread out, they don't break up into different saunders, and the problem's taken care of. Yeah. Ch choppers and, and traps, traps are really effective. 
unless you're relocating them to somewhere else for them to hunt them. And I'm like, <laughs> well, well, let's also not forget they're delicious. Yes. So, so ho hogs are also a really great, um, hunt to, to, to get started in hunting. You know, it's funny. I asked Gabe yesterday. I'm like, Hey, um, can I shoot a hog? And he's like, Nope. And I'm like, why not? Like, don't you want him dead? And he's like, well, with how crazy our country's been and with how meat got so difficult for a while, we finally realized we're like, wait a second, if we don't kill off these hogs, because they would take care of the problem right when they came in. Like right. they kept their hogs in check. Uh, Garrett's got some amazing dogs and they would just run them, take care of them and be dead. Right. It's like, but if we let a population build up, then we don't have to worry about meat. Like we can just go out and kill hogs. And I'm like, good point. He's like, we want to keep them in check, but we also don't want to kill them all off. And I'm like, fair point. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's definitely an interesting perspective. Um, I'm just gonna say that they're delicious. So if I have the opportunity to take one, it's it's going down. Yeah. No, speaking, I mean that, and that, for me, that was the biggest thing COVID did for hunting because I had people who said, "No, oh, I don't like deer meat. I don't like bear meat. I don't like hog meat. I don't like whatever." Well, then when Walmart all of a sudden had no meat, now you like deer meat. Now you're coming to me saying, "Hey, can I get a pound of deer meat? Hey, can I get a steak? Can I get a backstrap? Can I get a?" I'm like, I thought you didn't like deer meat, but there's no meat at Walmart. And I'm like, oh, so now you know why I do what I do. Like, I'm not worried about it. I've got a deep freeze full of it. Well, well, a lot of it also has to do with just preparation. Yeah. Um, that I, I have a friend, whenever he takes a deer, he, uh, he, he lets the, the meat sit on dry racks, mm -hmm. chilled dry racks for about seven days. Yep. And it makes a huge difference. I People don't know how to handle deer. And that's why... That's why people don't like deer meat um, because you've had bad deer meat. Listen, if you've had wild game that you didn't like, it's because the person cooking it sucked. Right. That's just flat out plain and simple. They didn't know how to handle their meat. They let it spoil in the field. They kept it. Listen, if you kill a deer and you drive around town for three days showing all your buddies, <laughs> that meat sucks. Yeah. Don't yeah. even eat it. But if you immediately get that meat out, I wet age mine. So I soak mine in a cooler with some salt, pull all the blood out. Um, I don't even take it. I've found a huge difference in taking meat from from a butcher, from a from a processor, to doing it myself because I get to handle it. I don't throw it in uh, with a bunch of other deer. I don't leave it sitting out on a table. You know, I don't know what my meat's doing when it's there. Um, so a couple years back, I just decided I'm just going to process my all my own deer. Um, so I bought grinders and and all that good stuff, and my meat's a hundred times better. Um, so if you've had bad deer meat, a it was probably overcooked. And B, they just didn't know how to handle it. Um, and I talk a lot of wild game on this this show. A lot of wild game eating on this show. Um, and I've got some great friends over at Rebel 6 Rubs. And this is what they've done, Nick. And you got to check them out. Rebel 6 Rubs. They have nine different rubs, all for different wild game. Um, so it's not like one standard rub. Like they've got a sweet bear meat that is phenomenal. They've got a spicy deer, Midwest fish. I mean, they have all these different rubs that were designed for different wild game. And so, it's phenomenal. So I tried the spicy deer, actually. Did you? Yeah, but I didn't have it on deer. I put it on a steak, and it was awesome. No, I put it on burgers. Yeah. I used spicy whitetail on burgers. That's it was my, great. My go-to burger rub. Um, I absolutely love those guys, and, and they make some phenomenal rubs. What's your favorite wild game? Whitetail. Yeah, what, what, whitetail are great. They, I would have they, to they, go. They really are. Well, because also, I like to grind it up, and then... Uh, I like to make burgers and I'll actually just grind it up with, with bacon too. So it's kind of cheating, but a bacon whitetail burger. It's my favorite thing in the world, dude. It's the best thing ever. It's my favorite thing in the world. My wife's like, why are you buying so much bacon? I'm like, 
because I'm about to shoot a deer and I need it. Oh, yeah. No, I just, I buy pork belly from yeah. from uh, Costco or Sam's Club. What I do is I go, um, and I don't know what it's called. Um, they probably call it like chunks or something. Uh, I, I don't know. But they have a big package at, at our Dylan's grocery store. And it's basically just like the big ends that nobody, like they couldn't slice into bacon or whatever. So it's just big chunks of bacon that they couldn't. I don't know. I don't know why they do it that, that way, but I just throw it in with my meat when it grinds and lord have mercy it's good are there a lot of deer hunters in that area uh yeah well, that might be why yeah no <laughs> I, I, it's something to do with because it is i mean it's packaged up like from the from the like the meat plant like it's not like yeah um and so it's something to do with like it you know they just the ends or whatever they couldn't slice it or i don't know but uh that's how i do it um but also bear meat though is i'd have to say is my favorite big game and then as far as as my favorite wild game period probably pheasants well so so i'm a little jealous about the bear because i was actually gonna go on that bear hunt with you and yes, then you were. stupid covid came along and uh let, let, let's let's just say i didn't go and you did and i regret that that was the hardest the hardest six days i've ever hunted um day five i didn't see a bear until day five um didn't give me a shot i didn't shoot a bear until the last day and i literally checked my phone and I had two minutes left of shooting light, two minutes. And then I look up and there was a bear. So I had to have shot that bear within the last minute and a half of shooting light on the very last day. That's epic. And uh, like, I mean, going into that last day, I'm like, crap, it's not gonna happen, man. I drove 2,400 miles, um, dragged my wife along with me <laughs> um, to be my camera gal who ended up getting scared of the bears and didn't even come out and film. Um, and you wanna talk about going from the lowest to the highest of highs in a matter of minutes. Um, and that's just, it just goes to show guys, hang in there. Um, don't give up because your season, your hunt can literally change in a matter of seconds. Um, I mean, a matter of minutes. I, it, it's just crazy. That's that's why I love hunting so much. Cause you get down on yourself, you go to bed thinking this ain't gonna happen. This is, sucks, this is stupid. Then the next morning your whole life could change. Oh, for sure. I mean, I I've been in the, in, in, in a deer stand just thinking my hunt was over and I just kind of closed my eyes to take a little nap and next thing you know you hear you hear leaves rustling around and I look up and there's five white tails yeah. 20 feet in front of me yeah no that's how it goes it always comes when either I'm peeing or <laughs> yeah, right no seriously uh my, my friend's dad he he thought the hunt was over and he started eating I want to say it was like cheese and crackers or something like that and he ended up taking two eight points i always eat deer meat in the tree stand that way i can just show them who's boss i'm like i'm eating your dad and you're gonna stroll in here that's right you got you got to you got to you got to eat the deer from the previous hunt no <laughs> you uh, got to keep it alive one time my dad uh we were sitting in a tree stand and i had shot a really nice buck out of that tree stand the night before and uh i'm like dad there was another nice buck with him and uh it was super early season um i, I don't even remember I don't even know when season opens in Arkansas anymore, but it was like opening day. So it was still super hot. I'm like, dad, they're still in the summer patterns that other deer is going to come in tomorrow. And, uh, and so me and my dad go back to the same stand and sure enough, here comes that deer. And I'm like, I wasn't looking at my dad. I was looking through my binos at the deer and I'm like, dad, here it comes. It's coming, coming down. Um, and I'm like, get your bow ready. He's like, I can't. I'm like, why not? He's like, I'm peeing. And I'm like, well, hurry up. Here it comes, dude. And it got like 20 yards and he was still peeing. I'm like, dad, put that thing away, man. You got to shoot this dude. He's like, I can't cut it off. I'm old. <laughs> old people problems. 
<laughs> he ended up shooting the deer, but uh, it was just hilarious. I'm like, if I would have had a camera like over our shoulder rolling, that'd have been golden. But uh, I didn't. So, well, before we dive into our next thing, let me give a quick thank you to our. Did you meet Jim Mesh at the Pope Young Convention? I met a lot of people, and Jim, if I did meet you, I apologize. I doubt he listens to the podcast. If you do, Jim, sorry. But uh, Jim, his brother died in the line of duty. He oh, was a, he was a firefighter um, in Kansas City, died in the line of duty. He had a strong passion for getting kids involved in the outdoors. Uh, so he started a non-for-profit um, called the John V. Mesh Memorial, and uh, they hold events all around the country to try to get kids involved in the outdoors. Um, they hold one at the E3 Ranch, which is um, Adam LaRoche's ranch. I mean, just an awesome place. Uh, but then also, they give a scholarship every year to somebody who's going into um, some sort of, of hunting study, whether it be game management or, or you know, to be a uh, like a forest service ranger, something like that. Um, so a really important non-for-profit. So go check out John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship uh, because I'm sure they have some events in your area where you can get your kids involved. Speaking of getting kids involved, um, I think it's important. Like I said, I have a strong passion for getting my kids involved in the outdoors. And uh, things like Mountain Archery Fest are a great way to do that. I mean, just a, I mean, you've got Total Archery Challenge. You've got Mountain Archery Fest. Those types of things are great ways to get your kids not only involved in the hunting industry, or I'm sorry, in the hunting world, but to get them involved in the hunting family. And uh, those things are, are vital. Well, yeah, and and Brandon Waddell is a super cool guy. Yeah, no, if, Brandon is one of the realest. If anyone ever gets to to say hello to that guy, you should, because he's he's awesome. He's he's been nothing but good to me. He's 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 a great dude. And then also the Pope and Young um, world record course. How epic is that? I, All I, twenty nine targets you shoot are a replica of the world record for that species. I don't know if it gets any cooler than that. We had a guy um, come up to the Pope and Young booth. His name's Steve Felix, and he currently ho holds the world record for elk. And uh, they even try to, the Mountain Archery Fest crew, even tries to replicate the shot. So if it was like uphill and the elk was behind a tree and you were on your knees, like they try to replicate that shot that the hunter describes to them. And so Steve Felix comes to the Pope and Young booth, and he currently holds the world record, and he's like, dude, I just reshot my elk. He's like, it was... <laughs> They literally set it up exactly how the hunt was, and the blood started pumping. My heart started beating just like it was, and he's like, "It was insane," and uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, man, it, it, it's just a phenomenal course." Yeah, so so normally I go on vacation to like Colorado or something like that with my girlfriend, but uh, for for a ski trip. But we we're probably going to actually change that, and we're going to make sure we go to to Martin to Mountain Archery Fest this year instead. I had the pleasure because that's epic. I had the pleasure of going to all of them last year and uh this year I actually get to go to some of the total archery challenges as well and and the Mountain Archery Fest events. Um and it's just it's a family atmosphere like no other. Like you can't explain it any other way. I mean, it's just when you show up there, it's like you're part of the family. The bow hunting family, the bow hunting community, and it's a it's an incredible thing. And that's why I say I really want to get my kids um, introduced not only to hunting, but how hunting is a tight-knit group of, of family. Um, you know, like Brandon, I, and I had talked with him on the phone before, and I had, had sent him emails before, and I don't know that I've ever actually seen his face. And then I roll up to my first mountain archery fest, and uh, my other coworkers get out of the car, and they're like, hey, Brandon, and he gives them big old hugs, and... And he literally walks over to me and grabs my neck, dude, and hugs me 
the biggest hug of my life. First time I ever met the dude, and I'm just like, golly, I thought he was gonna kiss me. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, he's just that type of guy. And then his he says, "You guys eating yet?" We got there pretty late, and I'm like, "No, we need to run back down to town and eat." And he's like, "No, man." My mom's got dinner ready up in my cabin. You guys just roll up there. That's epic. And so we walk into his mom's cabin, uh, his their cabin that they had stayed in on the on the resort. And his mom pulls out homemade spaghetti and garlic bread and dessert and salad and feeds us like I mean like my grandmother would. And it was just they're a family like nobody else. So I would highly encourage you check out a mountain archery fest event. Check out a total archery challenge um, because those are super tight knit groups and and really just will get you involved in the in the hunting family. So so for me it's almost like a pet peeve when people throw around the term family too much, but it does apply to does. to this community. And uh, when I first heard it a couple times I was like, uh maybe. But then when I started to meet all these guys, I get it. It, it really is actually a family. They do treat you like one of their own even if even if you're a total newbie. Like can, compared to most people that I talk to in the community, especially in the professional community. I am a noob noob, but they don't care. They, they, they can, if I need help or, or, or I could talk about taking a doe and they're just as excited as if I, I would be to tell them I'm taking a world record. But it, it's great. Like my wife, she's going to hunt this year. That'll be her, her second year ever hunting. Um, but I took her to the Pope and Young convention and I'm introducing her to people. I mean, crazy people. I'm like, Chrissy, yeah. this is this is Tom Miranda. I'm like, Chrissy, this is Michael Waddell. This is Remy Warren. This is, and every single one of them, I'm like, well, how are you, Miss Chrissy? And like, just like, and I'm like, wow. Like, it really is. Bow hunting is the tightest knit group of family you could ever belong to. Yeah. And that's why I love it. And then, and then speaking of Pope and Young, when we were there, we had the same experience. Yeah. Everyone was just incredibly friendly, incredibly nice. They could just be, the, the the most outrageous guide ever but then when you talk to him it's, it's almost yeah. like you're talking to your cousin or something like no, that no you're absolutely it's, right man it's, it's just open arms and that's one thing i love about the community i mean i've i've rubbed shoulders with quite a few outdoorsmen now and i haven't really had any issues with any of them except gabe no i'm just kidding yeah love you, yeah gabe. gabe um no uh and that's just it for me, it's just as much part of the community you belong to, even past the passion, and uh, and that's why I'm I'm so passionate about getting people involved in, in hunting because I'm like, you know, you can do a lot of hobbies, um, you can get involved in a lot of things, but the hunting community is something like you'll never experience. Well, also, hunters have the ability to really strengthen local economies yeah there's areas that have fantastic wildlife populations that are perfect for for hunting where people will pay a lot to, africa to, to go out there well i mean even if we just keep no, it in america you're right, you're right. No. right? Uh, like you just go go you hunt pheasants telling, in the dakota i was or... talking about joe rogan in africa yeah yeah we, we, we had that conversation when we were talking so, about pope and young stuff so before I tell this story, we, we have to tell about um, the giveaway that you're doing with Pope and Young right now. Absolutely. We are, uh, we have about 16 days left of the giveaway. And there's a few ways to, to sign up. Um, but the, the best way is actually by listing a property or service on American Hunt. You get 10 entries. 
The prize itself is a whitetail hunt in Illinois with our friend Matt Jennings. Matt Jennings, and even if you don't like Matt, I understand. Uh, he's a, I, I don't. He's a super cool dude. He's a goofy little redneck. Um, Matt is awesome. No, uh, but even if you don't, I mean, Matt is one of the funnest guys that I could ever dream of going on a hunt with. And I actually think we're going to try to meet up in South Oklahoma this year on a hunt. But um, Matt is one of the funnest guys I could ever dream of going on a hunt with. So even if you don't want to kill a giant whitetail in Illinois with an awesome outfitter, you still get to hunt with Matt Jennings. And that's just going to be, I mean, I'm sure he'll film it for his TV show, The Game. And uh, so I'm sure it'll be a good time. Well, um, also a lot of people don't have the opportunity to hunt Illinois. And Illinois right. is legendary. Right. And Pike then, County, Illinois. So that's not where the hunt is, but but that's the number one county for whitetails in America. That's awesome. I, I shouldn't say that because I don't know if it still is. Well, so don't start sending me emails if I'm wrong. Well, so, so that's actually something that American Hunt is doing though. Um, so so th there's a lot of there's a lot of people that grow up hunting one area and they are experts on that area. It could be I'm just going to shout out Arkansas again, but it could be you know Northwest Arkansas. They know all the spots within a hundred miles, but they might want to go take an elk or something like that. And they don't even know where to start. Listen, this is the best advice I could ever give you. Don't hog hunt when the Razorbacks are playing. <laughs> I have nothing but bad luck. Are you a Razorback fan? I've got super bad luck. So one time, um, and this was a while ago, we were up against Johnny Manziel. I shoot a hog, we lose. Um, but then the most recent one, and this is heartbreaking. I owe all of my Arkansas fans an apology here. I was hunting in Arkansas, shot a pig, head home that night, and I'm watching Arkansas play in the third game of the world championship against Oregon State. I hate you Beaver fans. Um, it's, it's the ninth inning, we're up by one. Two strikes, two outs, and there's a foul ball in the air. We've got three guys. Did you do you remember this? I remember this. We've got three guys surrounding the ball, and it lands right in the middle of them. And Oregon State comes back to beat us. And I'm like, I'm never shooting a hog again when the Razorbacks are playing because I I'm bad luck. That's the best tip I can give you. Don't <laughs> hunt any animal that you. If you live in a state and your mascot is a deer, don't hunt a deer. I mean, it's just bad luck. I should have figured that out a long time ago, but I didn't. Um, so, so I'm one of those guys where uh, if I have the opportunity, I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the Razorbacks. I'm shooting this hog. No, no. I, I love the Razorbacks. Peyton Hillis, super cool guy. Razorback legend. Shout out. But uh, if I see a hog walking by, I'm taking it. There you go. <laughs> That's that. I, I don't mean to, to, to step on your advice or anything like that, but I just well, don't have, just don't I don't have enough time. Well... No, I, uh, I've got a friend. It's just priorities. I can't say friend. I've never. I've sent a couple emails back with him, but Trey Burks, um, who's a receiver for Arkansas right now, he's a big hog hunter himself. And I'm like, dude, you can't do that. Like, You can't kill hogs and play for the hogs. It's just, uh, it doesn't work like that. Um, but I'm hoping to have him on the show one day. Um, Speaking of hogs real quick, a lot of people don't know what to do with their hogs. If you ever try smoking it like really, really, really heavily... You could take that smoke, those smoked pieces of hog, and then you could make stuff with it. Like you could put it in your gumbo or, or something like that, and that is a really good way to go. I like to shoot really small hogs. 
Like Fair. 20 pound hogs. I'm talking fresh off the nipple. I mean, still <laughs> milk dripping from their mouth. And then you just throw the whole thing on your smoker. And yeah. I remember one time I come home with a skinned hog and it probably weighed 10 pounds and my kids freak out. Like they thought it was a rabbit. I'm like, it's a hog, sweetheart. Because <laughs> it had already been skinned and, and everything. So it just looked like meat and it looked like a rabbit and they were like freaking out and i'm like it's a hog don't worry it's a hog and i showed them little pictures of the hog and uh anyways i like to do that and throw them whole on the smoker just split them open down the middle and and yeah. them on the smoker the smoker is a godsend if, now one if time, i can't figure out how to cook something it's going on the smoker one time we were in Oklahoma, or in a gumbo on a hog hunt shoot this hog and uh one of my buddies was like let's do it luau style and i'm like what do you mean like i and i was i think i was i was in college um I'm like, what do you mean? And uh, so he digs a pit, like a 10 foot pit, lines it with fire bricks. Like, so it took like two days to get it done, but uh, lines it with, and we filled it with apples and pineapples. And then we bury it and and put it in that in the ground for, I think like 23 hours or something like that. And it was the best hog I've ever eaten in my entire life. Yeah, I've, I've been to a couple of luau's and it is fantastic. Oh, There's something about the whole hog cooking together low and slow like that. Oh my gosh. Man, it's lunchtime now. Um, so, as far as your properties go that you have listed, um, one of my one of my good friends, Corey Corson um, from Oklahoma, Liberty Ranch Outfitters. I'm behind with those guys a lot this year, and that place. I I don't like to use this word because I don't want it to sound exclusive or prestige, or um, but it is a prestige outfit. I mean, it is top of the line amazing hunt well n not only that but it's a massive property they have places where Very you can stay but not only is it massive but it's managed near perfectly they, oh they, they, they're, they're a guiding light as far as management is concerned. well Corey, that's Corey's background uh you know he went to college on management and studied uh in texas on how to manage for whitetail and and uh but that property is is insanely big um, I remember the first time I went there, you know, we're sitting on top of a hill and he's like, you see that electric tower, that little building over there? He's like, that's three miles away. That's the south end of our whatever. And I'm like, good Lord. Like you're looking over all this country and I'm like, holy moly. Uh, <laughs> but it is a phenomenal place to hunt. And that just goes to show you like the properties you can trust where you're going to hunt. That, and that's big. Um, because again, if you throw all your eggs in one basket and it sucks, you're just out of luck. Um, but with American hunt, you can trust that these properties, they have deer, they are reputable, go hunt them. Right. Right. And then we, we have different level hunts. So, so while we're talking about Liberty Ranch, they're also right next to a pioneer woman. So I'm probably going to sneak away with my girlfriend and then I'm going to, I'm going to do Shout a Shout out hunt. to pioneer woman. Right. So I'm gonna go do a hunt, and then I'm gonna let her go go to the Pioneer Woman. You know, I tried something. I tried something very similar. My anniversary falls right in the middle of the rut. I know, stupid, um, but I was up. I was ready to get married um, for all of the benefits that come with marriage. Um, I was ready to get married, married, and uh, so we got married in the middle of November. So I tried that with my wife. I'm like, babe, these cabins are gorgeous. Like I showed her pictures of the cabin. She's like, oh my gosh, they're beautiful. And, and I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Let's go there for our anniversary. You can go to Pioneer Woman. I can hunt. She's like, nope. 
<laughs> she's like if we're going on an anniversary trip we're gonna spend it together and i'm like well babe it's like it's our eighth it's not like a big one you know it's not like the 10th or the 20th or dylan the first. Wh why are you bringing your bow to our anniversary i'm like well you know <laughs> just wanted to get some reps in then i'm putting on camo at 4 30 in the morning she's like where are you going i'm like seeing a little bit i'll be back at eight <laughs> yeah no i Go tried that she's like if we're going on an anniversary trip It'll be for for us to spend time together, and I'm like, well, crap. Now what? Well, well, my advantage is I'm not going on my anniversary. Now, the benefit of Liberty Ranch for me—it's not the benefit for everybody. It's only about an hour and ten minutes from my house, so I can—I don't have to go and stay. I can leave at three thirty and be in the tree stand at five, um, you know, before before the sun comes up. So that's <clears throat> that's the benefit for me is is I'm so close to Oklahoma that it gives me the opportunity to hunt Oklahoma without having to take off for a week because the south my best lease the south border of that property is oklahoma so i can on essentially the same lease jump a little tractor path and i'm in oklahoma where there you can kill two bucks kansas you can only kill one buck so on essentially the same lease i can continue to hunt and kill two more bucks that's so awesome. that's what's that's the benefit of living so close to the oklahoma border the only bad part is you can smell oklahoma from there um so that's the only bad part <laughs> I used to tell my well, kids all the time when we'd pull into Arkansas, we passed the Welcome to Arkansas sign. I'm like, kids, smell that? And they're like, what? And I'm like, you smell it? And they're like, no. And I'm like, see how it just smells better? It's because you're not in Oklahoma anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, uh, well, also Liberty Ranch, they have 40 ponds. So so they have everything. They have whitetails, turkey. Ducks, fish, great ducks. Ducks, geese. It's, it's pretty much a dream property. It so. is. So no matter what you want to hunt, it's a property that offers it for you. Well, and then because it's so well managed, it's Well, here's it's what I like perfect. about Corey. Here's what I like about Corey is they don't just manage for deer. They manage for healthy habitat for everything. Right. Um, and the best thing I can equate it to is the Back 40 series put out by Meat Eater, where they're literally diving into bees and plants and, and squirrels and rabbits. And that's how Corey manages this property. Um, it's not just for the biggest whitetails you can get. It's for healthy habitat for all wildlife. And that's why it's such a special place because everything is sustained. It's not like, oh, and you know, our turkeys aren't that great this year. Oh, our small game's not that great this year. Oh, our whatever's not that great this year. It's managed for everything. So it's an exciting hunt. Yep. It's an exciting hunt. Now, I ask every guest one thing. So Fred Bear is big on his field notes. What's your biggest little tip that I can take and put in my back pocket and make myself a better hunter with. All right. This is going to sound simple. I like simple. Don't pee in the wind. Yeah. Right. Don't forget. It's supposed to be a fun experience. Just enjoy yourself. Don't get caught up in like gear and, and all this crazy nonsense. I mean, all that stuff is important, but in the end, it's all about enjoying yourself. Absolutely. Have a good time. If you're out with, with your family, your son or your daughter or whatever, make sure they're having a good time. If you're by yourself, just kind of take it all in because it's not, it's not about just dropping ducks or, or taking a deer. It's, it's, it's about the whole experience. Yeah. No, I, I try to explain that to people like beforehand. They're like, why do you go and sit in a tree stand for seven hours? And I'm like, you're missing it. Like you're missing the point. Um, because my hunt begins. So if we're going on a group hunt, my favorite hunt all year long is a group hunt in Texas with Gabe and, and Grant and, uh, and our producer. 
we'll travel to South Texas and we hunt for a week and it's just a blast. But our hunt starts the moment we get in that truck. Oh yeah. We like all the memories, all the fun, all the goofing off, all the stories, all the pictures our wife see where they're embarrassed. All of those things start the moment you leave the house. And it's not, it doesn't just come down to that one moment where you shoot the deer, but it starts that moment. Um, and that's what people don't understand. My biggest tip, uh, I want to share this with seasons beginning, um, some seasons opening in a week, some seasons already opened. If you have, if you have a place where you get to and have the opportunity to shoot deer in velvet, be very gentle with that velvet. Uh, that velvet starts dying the moment you shoot that deer. Um, that velvet, uh, the blood stops pumping to that velvet, and it's super easy to lose velvet. So try to keep your hands off the horns as much as you can. Uh, don't get your oils in, in the in the velvet, but also don't drag a deer by velvet. You know, if you kill a hardhorn deer in, in November, you drag it out by the horns. Don't do that with a velvet whitetail. You'll rip the velvet right off. Um, so be very gentle with, with velvet. Um, you know, get it to your to your taxidermist that day don't don't leave it in the back of your truck don't say well it's cold i can leave it overnight get it to your taxidermist that day um in order to to do whatever you can to save that velvet because it is a finicky process so that's my biggest tip is be very gentle with your velvet if you have the opportunity to shoot a velvet whitetail or caribou or sick of blacktail whatever it might be be very gentle with that velvet um speaking of velvet i gotta show you a picture um my buddy Jim Willems, our, our vice president, no, I'm sorry, our past president at Pope and Young, shot a stud sick of blacktail last week. Nice. Sent me a picture, and I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, <laughs> well, 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 speaking of hunting and everything like that, for me also, like, like you mentioned, as soon as you start the trip, as soon as you get in the car, that's that's when it begins. For me, it's, it's like that when I'm just practicing with my bow, too. Just getting out there, because that's what I like about archery. You have to focus. And, and for me, everything else turns off as soon as I pick up my bow and I start practicing. Yeah. And, and I, I love it. No, uh, it, you're absolutely right, man. Like, you know, this year I'm going into it with a recurve and, uh, I promise you, I don't care if it's a fork and horn, that deer will mean more to me than any other deer's ever meant to me in my life because I've literally worked my tail end off with this recurve. Um, I mean, countless arrows, hundreds of arrows daily. And uh, that deer will mean more to me than anything, no matter how big it is. Um, and that's, again, it's all part of the experience. People think it comes down to that one moment of, you spent seven hours in a tree stand just for that one moment. And I'm like, you're missing it. It's a year long process. Yeah, if, if it was just about that moment, I would have quit my first year. Yeah. Because my first year I didn't get anything, and I already told you I went over twenty times. It it's about everything else. Yeah. That that moment is the crowning moment or the apex, but it, there's a lot more to it than that. And then that, that that's what I love about bow hunting. Hundred percent, guys. Before we go, let me give one more thank you to my friends over at Garmin. Um, I'm a huge fan of Garmin, whether it be for daily use or for in the woods. Um, I kind of switch back and forth between the Phoenix Six and the uh, Instinct Solar, both great wearables. Uh, but whether you're going into the backcountry and you need to be able to send text back to your wife or your family, um, things like the InReach are invaluable. Um, so go check out Garmin as if you need to. Um, you've all heard of them. You all know. You're all familiar with their products. But um, this, the last two years, I've really come to rely on those products. Um, 
you know, when I was in Maine, absolutely no cell phone service for hundreds of miles. And just to be able to send a text back to my kids saying, hey, love you guys, can't wait to see you guys, and have my parents read it to them. I mean, things like that um, are just invaluable. So go check out Garmin because they are a powerhouse and they are phenomenal. Nick, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dylan. Always good to see you. And uh, I'll see you again soon. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure and go check out that giveaway that American Hunt's got going on with Pope and Young. You can find it in... Uh, on Instagram in American Hunt's bio or in Pope and Young's bio. You can click on that link and get entered to win. Absolutely no purchase necessary. Completely free to enter. So go check out uh, that giveaway and win an awesome hunt with Matt Jennings himself. Also, if anyone is looking to list their property or their guide service, definitely check us out. There is no out-of-pocket cost. And uh, we'd love to see you on the platform. Guides, listen. You can now get in front of a national audience whereas opposed to your five or 10 friends that have been spreading the word. So check out American Hunt, uh, or if you're just a landowner and you're looking to cash flow some of your ground. Um, you know, I know things like widows, and I, I don't mean to get sentimental or anything, but uh, you know, in Kansas, I've met a lot of widows and they, they simply can't keep up with the farm anymore because their husband's passed on. Uh, maybe this is a way for you to create some cash flow on your ground and at least help you cover taxes. Um, so definitely possible. Check it out, guys. It is a not only an awesome platform and an awesome company, but it also fills uh, what I believe to be a big void in the outdoor industry. Guys, thanks for listening. You guys have a great week.